Let's stand together tonight, reading from Acts chapter 14. Acts 14, if you would, please. Acts 14, I've tweaked the title just a little bit here tonight from how it is in the announcement sheet. And entitling the message, Baptist Church Planting on the World's Frontier. Baptist Church Planting on the World's Frontier. So Acts chapter 14, uh, let's follow along here beginning in verse 1. It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Both the multitude of them of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was a, an assault made, both of the Gentiles and also the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone, stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Lycaonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, whom, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of the Lycaonia, uh, yes, that's it. The gods are come down to us in likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Juniper, Jupiter. <laughs> okay. And Paul Mercius. So yeah, get focused on the hard ones and miss the simple ones. Because he was chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles... Barnabas and, and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness. In that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, sayings, with these uh, sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and, to, and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples exhorting and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after that, they, and after they had passed throughout uh, Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. 
And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Attilia and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all, watch this now, that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles and there abode long time with the disciples. Baptist church planting on the world's frontier. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll get right into the message here tonight. Reminded of a quote Brother Derek used to use quite a bit, and still does, I'm sure. Only three categories of Christians, zealous senders, zealous goers, and the disobedient. Those three. Zealous senders, zealous goers, and the disobedient. This past week I read an article from a book I'm uh, working my way through on church planting, and uh, The uh, chapter I read was entitled this, Baptist Church Planting on the American Frontier. Now, I've got to confess that uh, I jumped ahead in the book. You ever do that? I just got intrigued by the title because of our theme. And, uh, you know, with this working the pioneering theme a little bit and being a lover of Western heritage and history, um, then it just kind of drew me right into it. And so I skipped ahead a little bit in the book and read this chapter, Baptist Church Planting on the American Frontier. I want to read you just a few sentences. It said this. And now this gentleman is not, um, he's not where we are as far as independent Baptists and so forth, but uh, uh, it's writing about their, their works there. And so listen to this. It says, it has been said that the westward, westward movement of settlers across the frontier of the United States in the 1700s and the 1800s, was a Baptist movement. How about that? The Baptists settled the West. (laughs) Say, I think you're pushing that too far. I don't know. Let me just read on. Today, Baptist church buildings are located across all 50 states. How did the Baptists begin as a small and at times persecuted group to become the largest of church movements in the United States of America? And he documented their growth uh, that with, um, by the year 1844, they had reached 720-some thousand uh, members. And that was a 360% increase in 30 years. 360% increase in 30 years. There's another article that I'd like to read at some point once I locate it uh, that he quoted, uh, that he, from which he quoted, entitled this, The Baptist Role in Winning the West. The Baptist Role in Winning the West. So I thought of the title of a new book, How the West Was Won by the Baptist. What do you think? Okay. How the West Was Won by the Baptist. Well, he's got a good point, how that uh, as people moved west, and many of them preachers moving west, um, things began to happen. He gave four reasons why, in his estimation, that the Baptist churches sprang up very quickly across the frontier. He said this, Baptists have always been people of the book. Their high view of the Bible served as a foundation for taking the gospel to others. They sought to be obedient to the Lord's plan in taking the gospel into all the world. 
That's reason one. Number two, Baptists used a highly contextualized approach to their ministries. The gospel travels fastest when missionaries, when the missionary does not have to cross significant cultural boundaries. And here's, here's what he was saying there is that as these uh, preachers went out and they preached, they didn't try to be way above the people and, and, uh, like high and mighty clergy that were so different, but many of them were farmers and ranchers and worked hard and, and uh, just kind of mingled and worked right with the people. And so that made it to where the gospel just spread quick, quickly. <clears throat> Number three, Baptists kept church and ministry simple. No big hierarchy. Uh, less formal. Suited to the people. Kept moving that way. Just the fact that they kept church simple. Number four. Baptists maintain ecclesiological perspective that the church, while interdependent with other Baptist churches, was fully autonomous. Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Baptists believe that the local church should be self-governing. This appealed to the frontier uh, uh, folks that were there and allow the Baptists to make local decisions and quick decisions about many uh, ministry issues without having to wait on a denomination way back in the east to make decisions. You know, that sounds New Testament, doesn't it? They made decisions right then and there and they kept moving and they kept things simple and they reached the people and were among the people and didn't feel like they were way above the people. They were people of men of like passions like what they were. And they were people of the book. Well, that's how the Baptists settled the West. You say, well, I, that might be pushing a little bit. That's okay. I'm preaching tonight. You can have your turn next time. Frontiers certainly stand before us. Frontiers are before us. The frontier is, uh, is defined as, as that edge of settlement, a part of a country with an expanding settlement is being opened by hunters and herders and p other pioneers in advance of full urban settlement. I look at Paul and Barnabas, and they certainly were doing much of that type of work. Frontier missions work. As they left from Antioch, they traveled west, and, and they were winning folks to the Lord. In fact, I believe what we're basically reading here in Acts is, is the historical record of Baptist church planting on Asia Minor. The Baptist church planting history on the Asia Minor frontier, as you uh, might be able to say. And so, um, how did they advance then? And I would say to you tonight that frontiers wait for us to move forward by faith now. Most certainly do. We saw last week as we considered Paul taken out from Antioch, the church there in Antioch, because churches start churches. It was not just Paul and Barnabas going out doing their own thing. They were under the authority of that church. That's why they, at the end of our chapter tonight, they went back to that church and reported to that church just as the Hoovers have and just as the Brewers have and others of our sent missionaries. They come back and they give a report as to what God did. Because churches start churches, not individuals going out starting churches. It's got to be churches starting churches. And we saw that the gospel took root in Antioch of Pisidia because Paul's message and Paul's life, and they were rooted in Christ. That's why it took root there. So now we see that Paul moves to Iconium. 
Iconium. And so this would be modern day Turkey and, and getting up into the, some of the hill country, the mountainous country, the rugged parts. Now, Iconium is a, is a fairly well populated city and had a Jewish population as well. And thus Paul went to the synagogue as we saw, but it was a culturally mixed city at about a little bit over 3,000 feet in altitude as far as where the, where it was located. And it was indeed a rugged location, isolated area. Routinely cold, barren of trees, and yet settled. There was people there. It tells me that the gospel's got to go everywhere. Yep. And that's what uh, Paul was doing. So as he was there, here's what I find about a frontier. There are great opportunities on the frontier. Paul was able to share the gospel. People came to faith in Christ. They believed. That's what verse 1 tells us. But also on the frontier, there's great opposition. There's great opposition. There's great opportunity... There's also great opposition on the frontier. Verse 2 tells us that the unbelieving Jews stirred up trouble for, the, uh, for the, uh, Paul and Barnabas and that they evil affected their minds. That word evil affected means this, they poisoned their minds. They caused them to think badly of these believers, these men here. And so, I, you know, as you begin to do something for God, you can, almost, you can mark it down. You're going to have trouble coming from somewhere. That's exactly what was taking place there in Iconium. And so as trouble was being stirred up in that frontier, uh, in that location in particular, then they left from there and they moved to Lystra and to Derby, that area. Now, Lystra was about 18 miles south of Iconium. 18 miles south of Iconium. It's a home of Timothy. Again, it's in that high mountainous region of modern-day Turkey. And uh, the people there in Lystra had a reputation for being pretty rustic, kind of uh, country folk, country folk, rural living. Yep. How about we just pray for Miss Sue real quick? Father, again, we come to you and we pray for Miss Sue Thomas, even as she's uh, been taken from our service and not sure what her condition is. But thank you for those that are tending to her. And pray, God, that you might be a help to them as they're a help to her. Uh, she's such a dear lady to our church, and we thank you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. So these folks in Lystra, they were, uh, they were not very well educated. In fact, the Romans said they were very difficult to deal with. They had a non-Roman lifestyle. And uh, they were, had little regard for civil law. Uh, one person I read after said that the town was filled with robbers. There were caves in this mountainous region. I mean, I'm just pulling up in my mind, you know, places like what some of our soldiers are in in Afghanistan and some of those mountainous regions. I mean, that just would be probably some, somewhat like what that front, that location is there. But there were caves and hideouts and, and so uh, people living there in that area, in that mountainous regions. And, you know, I've found in, uh, even in our own country, in some of the mountainous regions of our own country, uh, some folks that live maybe a little bit more backward than what we do. You go out in eastern Kentucky, my friend, and you are in true Kentucky at that point. On the west side of Kentucky and Bowling Green, we're very civilized. You get over in the eastern part, it's a little bit different. That's true. That's true in eastern Tennessee. That's true in some places of eastern Oklahoma. And it's just true all around. It's the eastern part. Wherever there's mountains, there's rugged people. And... Uh, 
they don't take kindly to strangers around then, around those parts. There's uh, two major co- uh, cash crops in eastern Kentucky, tobacco and marijuana. So in any case, some rough, rough <laughs> folks. Yep. And they use corn, but for different reasons than what you and I do. So <laughs> any case... But I sure thank God for uh, people like a uh, man that I've heard of all my life named Elijah Tackett and, and different ones that went out and started churches in those mountainous regions of Kentucky because uh, whether they like outsiders or not, the gospel's got to be preached there. And, and so thank God for some that uh, did that. And uh, Brother Fugit, uh, uh, Sam Fugit, I believe it was, out in that eastern part. So in any case, some rugged people. It's like the people here of Lystra. Some rugged folks in many ways, rustic. So Paul uh, is there. There's an impotent man who had never walked. And so Paul noticed that this man appeared to have faith to be healed. And so he looked at the man, very similar to what Jesus did and what uh, Peter did as well. And he said to that man who had never walked in his life, stand up on your feet. And that man, for the very first time, he stood. But listen, my friend, the Bible tells us he did not just stand. The Bible says that he walked and he leaped about and moved about with great movement. And and I'm not demonstrating that. Some of you are wanting me to do that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. So I'm finished with parkour preaching. So just... uh, just going to move on there. But this man, I'm telling you, he was, he was excited to be on his feet. Well, when the people saw that, they, they made this assumption because when you get out in the frontiers, when you, when you get out there, there's a lack of Bible knowledge out there. And they looked at these men and they said, the gods have come down among us. Now, they're talking in their own native dialect, the, the language of the uh, Caenians. And, and so they're, they're speaking that, that language. And so Paul and Barnabas doesn't understand what they're saying, but they're saying, I think he's Jupiter. And I think that he's uh, Mercius. And I, I, in other words, uh, Zeus and Hermes, the messenger of Zeus, these, the gods are come down among us. Now, in their history... They have a, a historical situation where it was believed that the gods came down among them, but they did not recognize it, and they missed the opportunity that entertains the Greek gods. So this time they were basically saying, we're not missing this opportunity. Get the priests. We're doing, we're doing it up big. And so they were going to make sacrifices under these, under these two men. And, and so Paul and Barnabas, when they understood what was going on, they said, wait a minute. We're, we're not anything special. We're, we're men of like passions just like you are. And, and we're here to point you to the true and living God. They wanted to make sure, hey, listen, if they wanted to take advantage of the situation, they had a prime opportunity to receive worship. But men are not to receive worship. Preachers are not to receive worship. Preachers are just men just like you are. And they make mistakes and they need the grace of God. And they've experienced the grace of God by salvation, praise the Lord. But listen, we're, it's, not that, it's not that the preachers, these men, it's not like they were saying we are, we are great men of God or great servants of God. No, they were servants of a great God. That was their heart about it. And they said, no, please don't. And they, they persuaded them and said that, that we're not to receive sacrifices. We are here to preach unto you the truth about God. And so the Bible says that they just barely or scarcely were able to stop them from offering these sacrifices. Well, you know how fickle people can be at times, how fickle all of us can be at times. They went from a place of ready to Honor them as gods to a place of picking up stones and ready to take their life. 
Because the Jews from, uh, from Iconium came in and stirred up trouble for these men here as they were trying to, to point them in the right direction. And so, uh, in fact, the Bible tells us that Paul was stoned and, and they thought for sure he was dead. And the believers gathered around Paul. And then can you imagine Paul getting up there from that ground? Let's go to Derby. You know, and just ready to move on. I don't know what it was like when he got up. But he got up and he was fine. And he didn't let that stop him. But you know why? Because he was a pioneer for the gospel. And, and because he knew that this was not, if, if something is going to be settled, if, if the gospel is going to spread, it's going to be with difficulty. And we just have to keep going. We can't stop. So they went on to Derby and they saw great things taking place there in Derby because there's fruit on the frontier. You'll find foes and you'll find friends on the frontier, that's for sure. And he found foes. Thank God he also had some that stood around him. You know what some preachers sometimes need? Sometimes they get beat down, if you just allow me to take a moment to say that. Sometimes some preachers can, can get kind of beat down. And you know, you know what they need? They need some other believers that will come along and stand around them and stand with them. And not to pick up additional rocks, but just to stand around them. And hey, I, I just imagine that there's some preachers coming here and some, some evangelists and missionaries and their wives and their kids. And it may be wherever they are back home. Maybe, maybe they've been through some Lystra-type situations. And maybe they've seen some success. Hey, I believe that Timothy was saved because Paul went to Lystra and he was probably saved in this time. In fact, the very first uh, view of, of Paul may have been from Timothy's perspective was when he was beat down like this. But there's, there's got to be some, some people that are coming, no doubt, next week. And maybe they've been beat up in the ministry. You know what they need? Some believers that will stand around them and pray with them and encourage them and sing some godly songs to them and, and hear some other godly messages and, and be fed some good, good Oklahoma barbecue. And, and, and have some good fellowship and get a good breakfast and get some, some good fellowship in and pray with the saints. And I'm telling you, maybe they'll just rise up and say, you know, let's go on to the next thing. That's why we're part of the reason why we're having this meeting. Well, they went on there and then follow-up is very important because when somebody is saved, they don't need to be left to themselves. Somebody that's saved needs to be followed up on. And that's exactly what they did. And they, they encouraged them in the Lord. They, listen, they could have went east and then south and been back in Antioch of, of Syria very quickly. But instead of going east and south, they went back west to the cities where they had come. And then they went south and then they went across to Antioch. They went the long road home. Here's why. They knew those believers who had just come to Christ needed to be encouraged. And churches need to be organized. And, and so it, the Bible tells us that what they did, uh, if you look at, at the verse again, how that in verse 22, they were confirming the souls and they were exhorting them in the faith. And they said, listen, it's going to be through a lot of tribulation. It's not going to be easy that we're going to go through these times. It's going to be with a lot of difficulty that we are going to go through and enter, enter into the kingdom of God. And then it says in verse 23, they ordained them elders or pastors in every what? Church. That was pretty quick. You say, my soul, that was, that was fast. It's like churches were cropping up everywhere and pastors were being signed. How could they do that? They, they don't even have a bulletin yet. <laughs> they don't even have a building yet. They, they don't have a baptistry. They don't. You know, wait a minute. 
Maybe in some ways we, I realize we need to be careful in church planning and we can, we can move too quickly and ordain people that aren't ready in churches. Or you, you understand what I'm saying? There's a caution. There, I think there's a ditch on both sides of the road. We could be so cautious that you never start a church. On the other side, you could just start something that is not even anywhere near the true faith and such. And, but listen, doctrine matters. Paul was not overlooking doctrine here. But at the same time, he didn't set all the bars there so high that it could never become a church. He ordained elders. May, can I just toss this out here? Maybe the gospel is designed to move a lot faster than what we, we do with it. Maybe churches are supposed to be started a lot quicker than what we're doing right now. I'm just simply saying, maybe the reason we're not seeing the type of things happen in our day and time like they did then is because we're not doing what they were doing, namely praying and fasting and and preaching the gospel everywhere and and gathering those that are saved. Hey, maybe we're just not doing it that way. But what I want to do is do it that way. And it's got to be God. Listen, if man's involved in this, And that's why when they went back to Antioch, they rehearsed. Let me tell you what God did here. Let me, let me tell you about our trip to Cyprus. Let me tell you about Bar-Jesus and how that he was struck blind just immediately. Let me, let me tell you about how things went there as Sergius Paulus came to Christ, this Roman official. Let me tell you about Antioch and how things went there in, in Antioch of Pisidia. And then we went to Iconium. Yeah, we got ran out of that apartment complex too. And, and uh, not apartment. We got ran out of there too. And, and then we got, yeah, stone, Paul got stoned, uh, beat down with rocks there in, in Lystra. And then he went on to Derby. And then we went back and, and we saw saw that there was men there that are beginning already to grow. And so we appointed elders to watch over them. They were hearsed. And here's what they said. This is what God did. And they rejoiced in it. Faith was a major theme. Throughout these two chapters, faith has been a major theme. You see, the gospel advanced on the Asia Minor frontier because a Baptist church and Baptist church planters followed God's leadership in church planting. Baptist churches began to settle the West, namely Asia Minor, because Baptists were people of the book. Paul was a man of the word, the book. He contextualized with the people And said, no, 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 don't set us up like gods. We're just men like you are, like passions. They kept church simple. And they believed the churches ought to be self-governing. It began to spread. Frontiers stand before us. How about this? Baptist church planting... On the Oklahoma frontier. That's got a ring to it, doesn't it? I like it. Baptist church planting on the Oklahoma frontier. You know, we ought to be eager about that. You know, every picture I've ever seen of the Oklahoma land run, everybody was pretty well ready to go. Have you noticed that? I mean, dust was kind of flying. And then whenever that cannon sounded just a little bit north of here, people began to run and stake their claim because they were excited about settling some land and 
making a home and starting something out of nothing. And there were some that already got in ahead of time. But I'm not going to use that as an illustration in this church. <laughs> but you know, when I think about the world, there are some that have already got in ahead of time. It's a shame that the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses have got in some places that really we ought to have been in a long time ago. But what we ought to be is just on ready when God says go to make a land run. That's what this next week's all about coming up at the GIBF meeting. It's by faith. Pioneers go forward when others are going back. They settle land that's difficult. They may not see all the fruit of it immediately. It may take years to see the fruit. I'd like to introduce you to some of the preachers of the state of Oklahoma. We've already had Brian Schecksneider, but in the coming uh, months and years, I'm intending to have some other preachers in from the state of Oklahoma because I believe this church ought to have a heart, not just for the world, but for Oklahoma. I'm looking forward to having Brother Rocky Harold in. He's coming in on the October the uh, 16th, and he's going to be here and preach for us. He's a preacher, my friend. Amen. Yep, he's a preacher. I want us to have a love for Oklahoma Baptist preachers. Encourage them. Church planters and Baptist preachers alike. And I believe what, what we can do is maybe as a church just kind of come around. Come around some Baptist preachers, even here in our own state. And love on them and care about them. Maybe help them get up and go on. Now, some of them, like Brother Rocky, I've, he's, he's going pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. But I'd like to have some others come in here that maybe we could just love on for a little while and encourage them a little bit. There's going to be some times when you have opportunity as members of this church to do some special door knocking, not just here in Oklahoma, but also in other regions. By the way, uh, I love the fact that it's not just Heartland students that are going to some of these locations now, but it's members of our church that are jumping on a bus and going out to Arkansas and going over here to Elk City and different places. And, and we can have some people going out and trying to be a help to a church planner somewhere out here that's maybe struggling a little bit. How about the Baptist church planting frontier of Bethel Acres? If this is a door that God is opening, I'm very interested in going through. God's not in it. I don't want to be in it. But all we know to do is just simply preach the gospel wherever he tells us to go and go through open doors. And as people hear the gospel and they're saved, then they need to be gathered. Whether they're going to make a 40-mile drive here or if something needs to be started out there, then something needs to be done. Yeah. <clears throat> How about the uh, Baptist church planting on the Asia frontier? I haven't read a book yet that's called How the East Was Won. I haven't read one How the, the Middle East Was Won by the Baptist. I haven't read, read one yet How that Russia Was Won by the Baptist. I haven't read one yet about how that India and China was won by the Baptist. In the Far East. I believe a great and effectual door is open unto us, but there are many adversaries. 
And that's, again, why we're hosting this meeting. <clears throat> On Friday and Saturday, 24-hour uh, prayer meetings already taken place. Other prayer meetings have been conducted. Brother Mike Blythe have done, has done that. We're going to have a children's program, just one hour. Brother Gray's going to preach and teach to them about the Oklahoma land run. Because I believe kids from all over America need to know about Oklahoma. In fact, we even have a, a Miss Kelly, I appreciate all her hard work in this, but it's put together a little packet for kids. My very own By Faith activity book. It goes through and tells the story of um, some of the pioneers of the faith and how that men like Daniel and Abel, just men out of Hebrews 11. And then it even has a historical section about Oklahoma. And we've got a little sticker for Oklahoma for them. We want them to love Oklahoma. But more than that, I want them to understand even from a child, as a preacher's kid, somebody cares about you. And we're glad you're here. And we want you to learn what it is to walk and run by faith. So Brother Greg's going to teach the young kids about the Oklahoma land run. And then they're going to go out here in the side yard and have a land run of their own. <laughs> Some of you adults want to be involved in that. <laughs> and for every pastor that comes, of course, we've got this nice bag, and it has uh, some contents in it, a prayer card for the unreached people groups. It has a DVD that Brother Josh Bartels has put together on the unreached people groups, if you'll remember that from our, from our, our uh, missions conference a couple years ago, and just format it. Here, here's the idea. I'm praying that pastors would come and get a heart for this, and go back home and maybe show their church unreached people groups. That's good. And be concerned and promote that. We have breath mints in here. <laughs> For obvious reasons. <laughs> have a book that we're going to give every pastor called Serving as Senders today. A book that actually Brother Derek Pemberton introduced me to. That I read on a... On our missions trip to Sri Lanka, India, and God just burned my heart about being the right kind of ascending church. And, um, and so we're going to give that to every pastor. That Not to say that we've got it figured out. We're still learning. I'm still learning. I want to learn. I want to do it better. I want to do it right. But maybe it'd be a help to a pastor that say, you know, being ascending church is more than just a name. It's got to be a function. And to have a heart and go by faith and give some other resources that will be a help to them. I just pray they come and they get real challenged and even burdened about it. We're going to hand out the uh, Unreached People Group cards on Tuesday, and we're going to have a special time of praying for the Unreached People Groups of the world and that, that we might get a vision for it. Because if the frontiers are, of the world are going to be settled with the gospel, it's going to have to be by Baptist churches Amen. and Baptist church planters and Baptist people who will go by faith. Amen. Father, we thank you. And we pray for what you're going to do. We pray you'd prepare our hearts. I think about the pastors who are coming that will need somebody to come around them. They need a church even right now that's praying for them. And people that will encourage them. And God, I think about the pastor's wives who face many struggles. I pray for my wife as she'll speak to them and and. And uh, even just talk about grit and grace. I thank you about uh, for the pioneer women of years gone by who maybe had many hours of loneliness. And some of these 
pastor and missionary wives and evangelist wives and youth pastor's wives maybe have some lonely hours while their husband's out tending to the flock or trying to settle some issue or doing this or that, God, would you help pastor's wives through this meeting? Would you help children to have a real heart for you, dear God? Well, Lord, would you speak to our church? I pray it'd be like a revival meeting for our own church, that we might just be reminded again about the need in the world and and do something significant about it. I thank you for what you've been doing and sending out missionaries with the Merlots and the Pemertons and and now the uh, Switzers as they prepare to hit the road. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their life and enabling them and the reasoners as they're about to go on the road and reaching the Asian uh, people, the Kalmykians of Russia. And so, God, we've prayed, and it's like you're answering prayer and what you're doing out in Bethel Acres, oh, God. It's, it's wonderful work, and we just rejoice in it. Now, we need your grace and strength and pray for your leadership. And maybe you're calling someone else out of our midst, Lord. This is your church and people, and we sure pray that you might send out from us laborers for the harvest field. In Jesus' name.